Good morning. It's good to see you online with us here at Fellowship Olathe. I'm excited that we're able to meet now in person at Fellowship Olathe. We are praying that we're able to open more fully in the weeks to come with early childhood at 9.30, elementary and youth Sunday school at 9.30, along with our adult Sunday school classes. Would you please continue to pray for us as we can look forward to gathering together again at Fellowship Olathe. We are moving back from our online services to focus more on our live services at Fellowship Olathe. We will be posting our messages from Sunday early in the week as we work to improve our social media presence at Fellowship Olathe. With that said, I want to encourage you to take a copy of God's Word with you at this moment and find your place in Genesis chapter 17. In Genesis chapter 17, we're going to see God's merciful reminder to his children. And we're going to see five points in today's sermon. God's perfect timing, the renewing of the covenant, a covenantal sign, extension of grace, and a display of obedience. God is a God who is merciful to his children. As I have been looking and studying through this text all week, I asked my children, kids, what type of signs do we see today that God reminds us of his promises? One of my children said, Daddy, the rainbow. God promised that he would never flood the earth again. One of my other children said, Daddy, the cross, he's not there. It's a reminder that he went to a cross and he died for our sins. But another one of my children said, not only the cross is a sign, but the empty tomb is a sign. The empty tomb that he's no longer there. That he conquered death and he ascended to the Father and he waits for our judgment, waits for us to come before his throne of mercy. Will he, deny, will he deny us as we have denied him before men? Or will he say, come home, come to me, because you have acknowledged me before men? God is a God who keeps his promises, and he reminds his children of his mercy. Would you pray with me before we dig into Genesis chapter 17? Would you bow your heads? Father, thank you for your wonderful truth. Your word is better than any gold or silver this world has to offer. Your word is sweeter than any honey we've ever tasted. And Lord, as we dig into Genesis chapter 17, I pray that you would, you would just speak to our hearts, that the Holy Spirit would do a mighty work in us, that you would remove any type of hindrance or distractions out of our way and put you in the center focus of our heart. Lord, your word is alive. It is breathing. And I pray that you'd use this imperfect vessel to preach this perfect word. And we give you thanks for the promises that you have fulfilled and the promises that are to come through your son, Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. Amen. The first point that we see in Genesis chapter 17 is in verse 1. The word of God says this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him, saying, I am God Almighty. Live in my presence and be blameless. God's 
perfect timing. We see God's perfect timing in verse 1. Abram was 75 years old when he left his home of Haran. He was 85 when Ishmael, his firstborn son, was born. And at 99, we see God appear to Abram to reassure his covenant with him. When the Lord God reveals himself to Abram, Yahweh Adonai calls himself Almighty God, the El Shaddai, the all-powerful, all-sufficient, great God in the middle of verse 1 that we see. And as we continue to move in verse 1, at the later part of it, it says that Abram, Abram is called to live blameless. Now, what does that mean? It means that Abram to, is to live under the hand of God, to walk before God, and he is to live in a way that is holy and pure. This does not mean that he is to be perfect in the sense that we would normally use that word. It means that he is to be blameless, a man of integrity, a man who is wholehearted in his commitment to God. Not a hypocrite, but he is to live by the word of God. Trust in God. Worship God from the inside out, and his outward actions overflow from the inward trust that he has in God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You know, Paul tells us in the New Testament at the church of Philippi that we should live this way as well. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God's word never changes. Why? Well, in Philippians 2, uh, verse 14 and 15, it says this, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure. Children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. God's word has never changed on how his children are to live. So what's the application from this section? Well, the Lord shows up after 13 years of silence to remind Abram who God is. As I said earlier, the word of God tells us that he is the El Shaddai. And we should be thankful for that. Thankful that God is never quiet. That God always is speaking. If God is silent to you, then I ask you this question. Does, is your Bible open? The only way that God is silent is that your Bible is closed. Charles Spurgeon once said this, no one ever outgrows the scriptures. The scriptures are profitable for us to live and to teach. And God's word is always refreshing every time you open it up. And in my experience, it speaks to me at the right time when I need to hear it the most. So I want to encourage you to open it daily. And if you're wanting to spend time with the Father Spend, by, spend it by beginning in his word because his word is never silent. Moving on in Genesis 17, in verse two through eight, we see God's renewing covenant. We see God's renewing covenant. The word of God says this, I will establish my covenant between me and you and I will multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell face down and God spoke with him. As for me, my covenant is with you. 
You will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram, but your name will be Abraham, for I will make you the father of many nations. Verse 6, I will make you extremely fruitful, and you will make nations and kings come from you. I will keep my covenant between me and you, and your future offspring throughout the generations as an everlasting covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. Verse 8, and to you and your future offspring, I will give the land where you are residing, all the land of Canaan as an eternal possession, and I will be their God. In verse 2, we see the Lord God reiterate his original covenant to Abram, promising a multiple a multitude of people. In verse three, God comes to man and speaks directly to man. We see God's grace here. Why? Well, let's face it. Abram messed up really bad in Genesis 16. And some might want to condemn Abram. But Romans 8, 1 says, therefore there is no condemnation that exists for those who are in Christ Jesus. And God comes to Abram, and we see Abram at all of God's overwhelming grace. Why? Because the word of God tells us that when the heavenly father appears, Abram falls down on his face to worship Yahweh God. This is a picture painted for us that God's holiness radiates, and it's blinding, and it's beautiful. And one day... One day, his children will be in his presence for eternity, and we too will be just like Abraham, bowing down before our Savior and at all of his glory. As I was looking at this section, I was trying to get, gain a tiny piece of this visual that we see on earth. It took me to a couple of memories that I've witnessed in my life that are breathtaking. One, when my beautiful bride walked through the doors on our wedding day. Second, seeing my children born. Third, baptizing my children. But to think that that's just a tiny piece of the beauty that comes from our heavenly father. And oh, how one day it will be so sweet to be in his presence and sing praises to his holy name. In verse four, we see who is in control of this covenant. God says to Abram, my covenant is with you. God promises are rooted in who he is. Why do I say that? Hebrews 3.18 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and and, and today and forever. Therefore, when God makes a covenant, he is faithful to it. There's no unbinding to this covenant. His love is greater than you can imagine. His forgiveness is greater than your mistake. And there's nothing that stands away between you and the Lord Jesus. That is exactly what he's telling Abram right here. Folks, the Old Testament and the New Testament go hand in hand together. And as we have journeyed through Genesis, the New Testament is coming alive, especially Romans 8 at the end. Nothing separates us from the love of God. Look at verse 5. We see God's, God change Abram's name to Abraham. Abram's name meant exalted father. But now he cha- God changes his name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. In reference back to Genesis 16, as I thought about 
what had taken place again. There was a mess, but God blesses. We see a restart here from Genesis 16 to 17. We, get, we see God give a new name to Abram, and it's like their life is starting over. Listen, if you're looking for a new beginning, if you're looking for a restart, there's no button you can push, there's no five-step program that you can buy, it begins with Jesus Christ. And if you're trying to rewrite your story, you can't. You can't write, rewrite your story, but God can. The Lord takes murderers and makes them into church planners. Read the story of Acts. You'll see what I'm talking about. But the truth is, no matter what names our parents give us at birth, or what names we're called on the playground, or what names we've even given ourselves, when we become God's, the one who made us, he is, we are called his, and we are called a child of the one true king. Man, that is comforting to us. And I know that's comforting to Abraham right here. Look at verse 7 and 8 of Genesis 17. God establishes the coven, this covenant with Abraham and his children forever. Why? Again, God is everlasting. His eternal covenant with Israel will be fulfilled. His promises come true. They will possess a land, and it's going to be everlasting possession. So what's the application from this section? God reminds his children of his promises. I don't know about you, but I, I'm forgetful of things. And by God's grace, he brings to mind his perfect word to us at the perfect time. God reminds Abram about the promises through his covenant and encourages Abram to keep focus on them. But maybe, maybe today we just need God to awaken us right now. Maybe we need reminded today of this wonderful truth. Psalm 118, this is the day that the Lord has made. A unique day, a, mean, a meaningful day, a day that comes from his hands and his divine love Another day to be reminded that he has everything under control. Another day to be reminded of our mission. Another day given for us to share the gospel with our neighbor. God reminds his children daily of his promises. Moving on. In verse 9 through 14, we see God's covenantal sign. We see God's covenantal sign. Look at verse 9 with me as we read the word of God. God also said to Abram, As for you, you and your offsprings after you, after you throughout their generations are to keep my covenant. This is my covenant which you are to keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every one of your males must be circumcised. You must circumcise the flesh of your foreskin to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and you. Throughout your generation, verse 12, every male among you at eight days old is to be circumcised. This includes a slave born in your house and the one purchased with money from any foreigner. The one who is not your offspring, a slave born in your house, as well as one purchased with money, must be circumcised. My covenant will be marked in your flesh as an everlasting covenant. 
If any male is not circumcised, verse 14 says, in the flesh of this foreskin, that man will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God puts before Abram's eyes the truth in verse 10. Keep my covenant. And in this covenant, we see back at verse 9 that there is a phrase he gives to Abram. He says, as for you, which brings uh, Abram into this covenant that he has, he is to be blessed through this, but he has, obliga- has obligations in this covenant. There's a mutual response in a contract. God's grace demands a response, and that response always entails faith. And in verse 11, we see the commitment and obedience here. Every generation of the Jews was commanded to perform the rite of circumcision as a sign or a symbol of the Abrahamic covenant. Circumcision is not an obligation imposed on human race. As I've studied in this section, I found that it was not only the Jews who were doing circumcision at this time, other ethnic, ethnic groups in Abram's time were doing this as well. But God takes a common practice and sign and he devotes it to a special use. And that special use is a mark to assure Abram of God's promises. Circumcision is only an outward sign of an inward belief. It's like the symbol of water baptism. Just as water baptism does not save you, but is, it is a big part of our obedience, so circumcision had nothing to do with the salvation of the Jew, but it was a part of their obedience as believers. To f- give further proof of why it is not water or circumcision that saves you, I'm reminded of what Genesis 15 verse 6 says. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So we see the covenantal sign after the Lord saves Abram. And in the New Testament, the water that you go into does not save you, but the blood of Jesus Christ that saves you, that rinses you from all your stains. It is a picture of your old life being washed away and having a new life in Christ. We have seen this covenantal sign in this section. But what does it mean? It's a reminder to assure Abram's wavering faith. God gives him a sign to confirm that his word and his promises and his faithfulness are true. For us today, every time we see baptism administered, every time we partake in the communion of the Lord's Supper, we are uh, participating in a covenantal sign as well. It is a sign and a symbol to remind us personally that we are heirs of the one true king, that Christ paid a price for our life, and we are fulfilled through God's promise that we are saved by the blood of the precious lamb. Looking at our fourth point, 
in verse 15 through 22, we see God's extension of grace. God says to Abram in verse 15, the word of God says, As for your wife, Sarai, do not call her Sarai, for Sarah will be her name. I will bless her indeed. I will give you a son by her, and I will bless her, and she will produce nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abram, Abraham fell face down. Then he laughed and said to himself, Can a child be born to a 100-year-old man? Can Sarah, a 99-year-old woman, give birth? Verse 18. So Abram, Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael were acceptable to you. But God said, No. Your wife Sarah will bear you, you a son, and you will name him Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his future offspring. As for Ishmael, verse 20, I have heard you. I will certainly bless him. I will make him fruitful, and, will, and I will multiply him greatly. He will, be, he will father 12 tribal leaders, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will confirm my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this time next year. Verse 22, when he finished talking with him, God withdrew from Abraham. We see God extend grace to not only Abraham, but also Sarah. For the first time, Sarah will also have a definite part in bringing forth the promised seed, a son. She too will be the mother of many nations, and kings will also come from her. God changes her name from Sarai, which means quarrelsome, to Sarah, which means princess. And in verse 16, we see God bless her with four specific blessings. Favor from God, a blessing of a son, a blessing of a nation, and a blessing of kings. And in the response to the Lord from verse 16, we see in verse 17 and 18, Abraham respond in a way that he had already canceled in his mind and his thought of Sarah having a child. Why do I say that? Well, look at verse 17. Abraham laughs. How could she give birth to a son? The laugh is not a laugh of unbelief of who God is, but a lack of trust. This news is almost too good to be true, Abraham is probably thinking. But this child, this child and this promise will come. And his name will be Isaac, which means laughter. It is with Isaac that God will establish his covenant and with no one else. But also in verse 18, he says this, Abraham speaks to God, if only Ishmael is acceptable to you, Lord. The Lord turns to Abraham and says, no. Abraham wanted Ishmael to be the one to bring out the covenant bless blessing. But God says, no. Your offspring will come from Sarah. I have chosen Sarah, and I have chosen Isaac. Yet, even though God doesn't turn away from Abraham telling him no, God reassures his blessing. I, I'm reminded of this in verse 19. When God says no to Abraham, 
What does that mean? Well, in all honesty, sometimes God says no to our wants. And when that happens, sometimes we are more concerned with not getting what we wanted more than what God wants for us in our lives. We become disappointed, and disappointment often reveals what captures our affections and where we think our hope is in. But if we are in Christ, our struggle with disappointment, disappointment is only temporary because God is our living hope. And when God says no, maybe he is just making space for more of him in our lives than anything else. Remember, the Lord Jesus is transforming our lives, making him more and more like him. That is the application from the day, from, from this section. That is the application that if God says no, it's not that he doesn't love you. He's just blessing you in a way that you don't see. Lastly, we see in verse 23 through 27, God's child display obedience. God's child display obedience. It says in verse 23 that Abraham took his son Ishmael and all the slaves born in his household or purchased with his money Every male among the members of Abraham's household, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskin on that very day, just as God said him, said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when the flesh of his foreskin was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13 years old when the flesh of his foreskin was circumcised. On that same day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised. And all the men of his household, verse 27, both slaves born in his house and those purchased with money from a foreigner were circumcised with him. Abraham obediently circumcises his whole household as we see in verse 23 through 27. But we also see the obedience of Abraham in this. Here we see a brave action. Why? Because this was not something to do behind closed doors. It was not a private matter. It was a public one. And secondly, we see the obedience and bravery that this was going to be a painful process, especially for the older men. But Abraham did not back down from this. I have no doubt that there were some in this context who were possibly upset with this announcement. And they may have had some serious grumblings about this. And yet Abraham, in his absolute obedience to God, because of God's command, he steps up to the plate and he fulfills this duty. Faith hears and obeys. I say again, faith hears and obeys. And Abraham heard and he believed, therefore he acted. The application from this section is that even though obedience to God is often difficult, it sets you apart and it, it makes you distinct from our culture today. This sign, this sign was to be a public one in Abraham's day. And so our faith is to be a public one in the world today. 
I'm reminded of the story from a man who retired not long ago. He told me that through his working of 40-some years, he worked hard. People, as he was leaving, people said, man, you were a great worker. Man, you were a great boss. But there is one thing that he will treasure for the rest of his days on this earth is this. Boss, even though you were stressed and we faced tough, time, tough times, you showed me who Christ is in my life. And I have never been around a Christian before. Actions are just important as words. Be reminded of this. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 says, we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ is our Lord. We are slaves that belong to Jesus. In all that we do, in all that we say, in all that we display, may we show the glory of our heavenly Father through our actions. As we close today, I want to share with you about the word of God mentioning about his children. You see, in the word of God, these promises are a blessing to his children. But in scripture, there's only two types of children. There's children of light and there's children of darkness. There's no children in between. There's either children who walk in the light or hide in the darkness. You cannot be in one or the other. Sin has separated us from God, but God in his loving mercy sent his one and only son to come and rescue us from the darkness and bring us to the light through his blood. By dying on a cross, going into an empty tomb, and being resurrected from the third day to fulfill a promise of salvation. God is drawing you near. And those who confess and believe Jesus Christ as Lord will be with him for eternity in the heavenly, heavenly places. God, through the power and the Holy Spirit, is calling you from the darkness into the light. If you do not know the truth about Jesus Christ, there is a number at the bottom of the screen that you can text. There is pastors waiting to talk to you about the wonderful truth and the light that is in Jesus. There's only two types of children, those who are in darkness and those who are in light. And those who are in the light are reminded daily of God's merciful promises. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, thank you that your truth is always always wonderful to see and read about. And Father, thank you for reminding us daily through your word of the promises that are to come. Lord, this world doesn't know the truth of the promise that is found in the sacred and holy scriptures. So Lord, encourage your children to have their faith on display. May we be obedient to follow through what we have commissioned. Abraham followed through to going and doing this act of obedience. May we too step up 
in obedience to carry the gospel to people who need to hear the truth of the saving grace and this amazing grace that comes through Christ alone. Father, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for your enduring everlasting love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.